Deluxe Madness. Stop with that weird booping. What are you doing? That's not your normal boop. No, none of this is normal. None of this is right. This is a weird. This these are going to be the lost episodes. This is going to be the next round. I guarantee. I I'm making a Nostradamus prediction right now that we end up having to record at least one of these, and I don't know which one. Uh, but it's gonna it's gonna happen. This is this is wild. That I already tweeted out that. This Aren't is... we recording all of these? Huh? What? I said we're gonna have to re-record. One oh, of these. re-record. This is gonna be like chapters fifteen through thirty-two of Capital, where all of a sudden we lost the iPad. We, we lost. No, we didn't lose the iPad. We knew exactly where it well, went. Okay. It just decided to die. Um, and 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 Nathan had. Okay, to... we lost the files. Yeah, we lost we lost the contents, uh, and we did this all over again. <laughs> um, this is gonna be one of those. I've already tweeted just so we have historical proof of <laughs> what you've done to us and forced us, <laughs> what what madness you forced us into. So we'll we'll see how this goes. Um, but that being said, hey, we're back. Uh, it's it's Mark's Madness. We're reading Fanon uh, yeah, still yeah. and forever and for always, it kind of feels like right now. Um, but that being said, we just got done with what may be, and this is coming from someone who has read all of Capital, uh, what may be the longest goddamn footnote in the history of time. <laughs> it's, it's a footnote that has an entire page unto itself. Plus all, more. Page, most of page 90, all of page 91, a little bit of page 92, all a footnote. Fanon, I hate to break it to you, that's not a footnote anymore. We, that's, that's we, got, we got spoiled by Lennon's editing. God, we got so spoiled. We got Lennon's so editing. spoiled. God, and now, editor. And now, now we're back. So Chat, we page 92. Then yeah. it becomes clear to everybody, including even the settlers, that things couldn't go on as before. Yet the colonized people do not chalk up the reckoning. They record the huge gaps made in their ranks as a sort of necessary evil. Since they have decided to reply by violence, they therefore are ready to take all its consequences. They only insist in return that no reckoning should be kept either for the others. To the saying, all natives are the same, the colonized person replies, all settlers are the same. <laughs> mm-hmm. When the native is tortured, when his wife is killed or raped, he complains to no one. The oppressor's government can set up commissions of inquiry uh, and of information daily if it wants to. In the eyes of the native, these commissions do not exist. The fact is that soon we shall have had seen seven years of crimes in Algeria, and there has not yet been a single Frenchman indicted before a French court of justice for the murder of an Algerian. Hmm, sounds no, like cops. No, weird. <laughs> yeah. Cops and or the, uh, you, you know, there are... There are no U.S. military. Yeah, the U.S. military doesn't commit war crimes. Yeah, I mean, even before the U.S. had an explicit law that if anyone from America's tried in the Hague, that that we would invade the Hague, still no one from the U.S. has ever tried for war crimes. And this is like, the U.S. military is, is... just like they lead in pollution and yeah. and CO2 and cause for global warming, uh, they, they no doubt lead in war crimes. Yeah. no. Yeah. It, 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 when you're the world's leading imperialist, you're, you're going to just kind of by default lead in war crimes. And yeah. yet it's weird how none of it gets brought up. Yep. Uh, in Indochina, in Madagascar, or in the colonies, the native has always known that he need expect nothing from the other side. The settler's work is is to make even dreams of liberty impossible for the native. You can't do it. It's unrealistic. You need to compromise. You can't fight the U.S. military. Come on. Be realistic. (laughs) The native's work is to imagine all possible methods for destroying the settler. On the logical plane, the manichism of the settler produces a manichism of the native. To the theory of the absolute evil of the native, the theory of the absolute evil of the settler replies. The appearance of the settler has meant in terms of syncretism the death of the aboriginal society, cultural lethargy, and the petrification of individuals. For the native, life can only spring up again out of the rotting corpse of the settler. This, then, is the correspondence, term by term, between the two trains of reasoning. Yes. But it so happens that for the colonized people, this violence, because it constitutes their only work, invests their character with positive and creative qualities. The practice of violence binds them together as a whole, since each individual forms a violent link in the great chain, a part of the great organism of violence, which has surged upward in reaction to the settler's violence in the beginning. The groups recognize each other, and the future nation is already indivisible. The armed struggle mobilizes the people. That is to say, it throws them in one way and in one direction. 
The mobilization of the masses, when it arises out of the war of liberation, introduces into each man's consciousness the ideas of a common cause, of a national destiny, and of a collective history. In the same way, the second phase, that of the building up of the nation, is helped on the existence of the cement, which has been mixed with the blood and anger. Thus, we come to a fuller appreciation of the originality of the words used in these underdeveloped countries. During the colonial period, people are called upon to fight against oppression. After the national liberation, they are called upon to fight against poverty, illiteracy, and underdevelopment. You see that? No. Yeah, I mean, socialist country after socialist country after socialist country. The struggle, they say, goes on. The people realize that life is an unending contest. We have said that the natives' violence unifies the people, but its very structure, colonialism, is separatist and regionalist. Colonialism does not simply state the existence of tribes. It also reinforces it and separates them. We've talked about the whole Sunni Shia being reinvigorated by colonialism, so this kind of brings that back up to the surface again, too. Um, The colonial system encourages chieftains and keeps alive the old marabout confraternities, uh, violence is an action all-inclusive and national. It allows that it is closely involved in the... It li- follows. Oh, blah, blah, blah. It follows that it is closely involved in the liquidation of regionalism and of tribalism. Thus, the national parties show no pity at all towards the CIA, the Cades yeah. and the customary chiefs. Their destruction is the preliminary to the unification of the people. At the level of individuals, violence is a cleansing force. It frees the native from his inferiority complex and from his despair and inaction. It makes him fearless and restores his self-respect. Even if the armed struggle has been symbolic and the nation is demobilized through a rapid movement of decolonization, the people have the time to see that liberation has been the business of each and all and that the leader has no special merit. From thence comes that type of aggressive reticence with regard to the machinery of protocol, which young governments quickly show. When the people have taken violent part in the national liberation, they will allow no one to set themselves up as liberators. They show themselves to be jealous of the results of their action and take good care not to place their future, their destiny, or the fate of their country in the hands of a living God. Yesterday, they were completely irresponsible. Today, they mean to understand everything and make all decisions. Illuminated by violence, the consciousness of the people rebels against any pacification. From now on, the demagogues, the opportunists, and the magicians have a difficult task. The action which has thrown them into a hand-to-hand struggle confers upon the masses a voracious taste for the concrete. The attempt at mystification becomes, in the long run, practically impossible. We hit a subheading. We hit a subheading. Guys, Fanon has used a subheading. <laughs> I don't... I, he can hit it, damn it. He can hit it. I don't know if you're aware, but it's like 60 pages in, and this is the first delineation of any kind of, like, break. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. As far as I'm concerned, if you didn't listen to all of those last 60 pages... With no breaks, you've done it incorrectly and you're, you're wrong and you should go back and do it again. That's the real experience. So now we're at violence in the international context. We have pointed out many times in the preceding pages that in undeveloped regions, the political leader is forever calling his people to fight, to fight against colonialism, to fight against poverty and underdevelopment, and to fight against its sterile traditions. The vocabulary which he uses in, in his appeals is that of the chief of staff, Mass mobilization, agricultural front, fight against illiteracy, defeats we have undergone, victories won. The young independent nation evolves during the first years in an atmosphere of the battlefield. For the political leader of an underdeveloped country looks fearfully at huge distances his country will have to cover. Mm -hmm. He calls the people and says to them, let us gird up our loins and set to work. And the country, possessed by a kind of creative madness, throws itself into a gigantic and disproportionate effort. The program consists not only of climbing out of the morass, but also of catching up with the other nations using the only only the means at hand. The reason that if the European nations have reached that stage of development, it is on account of their efforts. Let us therefore, they seem to say, prove to ourselves and to the whole world that we are capable of the same achievements. This manner of setting out the problem of the evolution of underdeveloped countries seems to us to be ne- neither correct nor reasonable. And- 
Oh, yeah. I was actually just going to read the whole section, but I wanted to stop the talk. Because this is only 10 pages. I'll get this one. We're sw- we switch chapters. We're going to get back to our old style. Don't yeah, but not this time. Bad. Don't you take this away from me, Fine. bitch. I'm going to read. Fine. But we're going to talk about that. Yeah, let's talk. Okay. So, I mean, you, you hear about, you know, we're going to take a battle of illiteracy. I mean, these are the kind of things. This is the language you heard from Fidel and Sankara and Mao. He's absolutely right, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not just like, oh, we need to tackle this problem. Let's get together and collaborate, you know. It's like, this is the front against illiteracy, you know. This is the battle waged against starvation. There's not a lot of technocrats and underdeveloped. No. colonized countries. They are not wonkish. It's no. weird. No. Hmm. There's no they haven't watched you know what? They haven't got the West Wing yet. <laughs> and as soon as not we, enough practical idealism. And as soon as we as soon as we have, you know, <laughs> Libyan West Wing, then we'll really we'll really be ready to go. All right. Well, uh North African uh, Aaron Sorkin ideas. Go for it. (laughs) The European states achieved national unity at a moment when the national middle class had concentrated most of the wealth in their hands. Shopkeepers and artisans, clerks and bankers monopolized finance, trade, and science in the national framework. The middle class was the most dynamic and prosperous of all classes. Its coming to power enabled it to undertake certain very important speculations, industrialization, the development of communications, and soon the search for outlets overseas. In Europe, apart from certain slight differences, England, for example, was some way ahead. Why is England always the unique abstract one in every single goddamn book we read? That's stupid. Those stupid island people. Goddamn islanders. Uh, The various states were at more or less uniform stage economically when they achieved national unity. There was no nation which, by reason of the character of its development and evolution, caused affront to the others. Today, national independence and the growth of national feeling in underdeveloped regions take on totally new aspects. And these regions, with the exception of certain spectacular advances, the different countries show the same absence of infrastructure. The massive people struggle against the same poverty, flaunt about making the same gestures, and with their shrunken bellies outline what has been called the geography of hunger. It is an underdeveloped world, a world inhumane in its poverty, but also it is a world without doctors, without engineers, without administrators. Confronting this world, the European nations sprawl, obstinaciously opulent. The European opulence is literally scandalous, for it has been founded on slavery, it has been nourished with the blood of slaves, and it comes directly from the soil and from the subsoil of that underdeveloped world. Where did America get its wealth? Yeah, exactly. The well-being and the progress of Europe has been built up with the sweat of the dead bodies of black people, Arabs, Indians, and yellow races. We have decided not to overlook this any longer. When a colonialist country, embarrassed by the claims for independence made by a colony, proclaims to the nationalist leaders, if you wish independence, take it and go back to the Middle Ages, the newly independent people tend to acquiesce and to accept the challenge. In fact, you may see colonialism withdrawing its capital and its technicians and setting up around the young state the apparatus of economic pressure. Sanctions. (laughs) (laughs) Sanctions. The hypothesis of independence is transformed into the curse of independence, and the colonial power throughout its immense resource of coercion condemns the young nation to regression. In plain words, the colonial power says, since you want independence, take it and starve. The nationalist leaders have no other choice but to turn to... Their people and their, ask, there you go. I had to skip down all the way yep. past that footnote. Their people and ask from them a gigantic effort. A regime of austerity is imposed on these starving men. A disproportionate amount of work is required from the atrophied muscles. And autocratic regime is set up in each state and the miserable resources it has in hand tries to find an answer to the nation's great hunger and poverty. We see the mobilization of a people which toils to exhaustion and from a suspi- in front of a suspicious and bloated Europe. And again, I mean, this is things you've seen. You know, I mean, this is exact. And, and so anybody who's like, oh, you haven't done socialism perfectly or they look at, at anything. I mean, Anyone with with hunger that's decolonized from, you know, South Africa to China to, you know, even the Soviet Union is is made up of a lot of previous, was, unfortunately, made up of a lot of previously, you know, uh, colonized uh, countries like, uh, um, uh, what is the one I keep trying to think of? Tuvan or Tuvan, uh, which is between Mongolia and Russia. That's actually an ethnicity and they had their own autonomous, um, not just an autonomous oblast, I think they had a socialist Soviet republic. And I think they even had the first 
historically recorded female non non hereditary leader in world history too. Hmm. So yeah, um, it's like Tuvan or Tova. I can't remember the word for it, but it's between Mongolia and Russia. I brought it up before. You know, I mean, but these are things. You know, these guys struggled with famines, and that's why you always see this propaganda. Oh, you want socialism? Well, you're going to get famine. Millions of people starve. Well, how the fuck did they starve? David, this is exactly David, how. Millions. We're well into the billions at this point. I don't want... Because 468 if you count, trillion billion. Because if you count the potential future grandchildren that those people would have had had they not been murdered by Stalin, we're well... We could have repopulated the earth. The, the, Nathan, billions is the power. It's like... 55,000 to, like, billions in That's power. right. Yeah, that's, that's right. What that's, right. That's, right. that's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's also cute that David thought we were going to skip the footnote. Yeah. No, you no. son of a bitch. No, we're going we back. go back to the We're footnote. going back to this the footnote. This is a good footnote. That part where David coughed and said, sanctions. Starting from that cough, in the present international context, capitalism does not merely operate an economic blockade against African or Asiatic colonies. The United States, with its anti-Castro operations, is opening a new chapter in the long story of man's toiling advance towards freedom. Latin America, made up of new independent countries which sit at the United Nations and raise the wind there, ought to be an object lesson for Africa. These former colonies, since their liberation, have suffered the brazen-faced rule of Western capitalism in terror and destitution. Guess a whole fucking lot hasn't changed in the last 50-something years, has yeah, it? I like how he immediately brought up Castro because, of uh-huh. course, Cuba. Yeah. Cuba had, had – they went from a sugar plantation colony. and Not everybody just can eat sugar, and they had food struggles immediately um, to they had another wave of food struggles in the 90s, 90s. as many socialist countries and, and decolonial countries I mean, did. everyone did in the wake of the USSR. In the wake collapse. of the collapse of the USSR, yeah. Mm-hmm. And now they have vertical farms and yeah. feed people through a horrendous blockade and have longer life expectancy than us. It's amazing. It's amazing what happens when you use socialism. Yep. The liberation of Africa and the growth of consciousness among mankind have made it possible for the Latin American peoples to break with the old merry-go-round of dictatorships where each succeeding regime exactly resembled the preceding one. Helps when the U.S. is the one installing every single regime. Yeah. Castro took over a power in Cuba and gave it to the people. Guys, gave it to... Not... Castro took over power in Cuba and became the world's leading dictator of dictators. <laughs> gave power. This heresy is felt to be a national scourge by the Yankees, and the United States now organizes counter-revolutionary brigades, puts together a provisional government, burns the sugarcane crops, and generally has decided to strangle the Cuban people mercilessly. This is being written by a contemporary mm-hmm. Of these blockades outside of the U.S. Listen to what he is saying. Yes. At, this is primary. So This is as it happened at the time. This is not your goddamn Gusano grandfather talking about how they took, Castro personally took his sugarcane plantation and then murdered all of his family and he's the only one to escape. This is what was happening at the time. Don't ignore it. Mm-hmm. But this will be difficult. The people of Cuba will suffer, but they will conquer. <laughs> He's right about that. Ever did they conquer? Yeah. Fucking go off, Cuba. And now the more depressing note: the Brazilian president. Ah, damn it! Uh, Hanio, not Quadros, the not another Brazilian guy who's not. God yeah, damn it! Has just announced in a declaration of historic importance that his country will defend the Cuban revolution by all means. <laughs> hey, hey. Venezuela is on board, though, and so yeah, is Bolivia, and so it's it okay. Yeah, I know. But I know. We, should, we almost had I it. I know. God damn it. Perhaps importance that his country will defend the Cuban, or I'm sorry, perhaps even in the United States may draw back when faced with declared will of the people. <laughs> you think you think the United States will draw back when faced with the declared will of the peoples? No, well, baby, we double down. We split them aces. We go for broke. But I think, listen to this next, because he's saying, like, what, imagine, what if, and what we're doing here, what if we are going to, what if we do have an uprising, and we do crash the fucking, the, the imperial core, we break the goddamn thing, then just as, as, as he says, when that day comes, we'll hang out the flags, for it will be a decisive moment for the men and women of the whole world. 
the almighty dollar, which when all is said and done is only guaranteed by slaves scattered all over the globe in the oil wells of the mm-hmm. Middle East, the mines of Peru or the Congo, and the United Fruit or Firestone plantations will then cease to dominate with all its force these slaves which it has created and who continue empty-headed and empty-bellied to feed it from their substance. These footnotes are the best. God, go off, King. Go off. <laughs> Shit, that is good. Yeah. God damn, Fanon, I am just, yes. All right. Other countries of the third world refuse. Now, we have uh, harsh transition. We have now gone from a footnote that was a paragraph and a half earlier forward. We are, we are grinding these goddamn gears. We are Tarantinoing this book with w- uh, significantly less weird foot shit. Um, probably equal amounts of racial issues. Um, other countries of the third world refuse to undergo their ordeal and agree to get over it by accepting the conditions of the former guardian power. These countries use their strategic position, a position which accords them privileged treatment in the struggle between the two blocks, to conclude treaties and give undertakings. The former dominated country becomes an economically dependent country. The ex-colonial power, which has kept intact and sometimes even reinforced its colonialist trade channels, agrees to provision the budget of the independent nation by small injections. Thus we see that the ascension to the independence of the colonial countries places an important question before the world, for the national liberation of colonized countries unveils their true economic state and makes it even more unendurable. The fundamental duel, which seemed to be that between colonialism and anti-colonialism, and indeed between capitalism and socialism, is already losing some of its importance. What counts today, the question which is looming on the horizon, is the need for a redistribution of wealth. Humanity must reply to this question or be shaken to pieces by it. Reparations. Yes. Reparations. A hundred and 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 you have to realize what reparations are, right? It's not like I have some record that my grandfather two hundred years ago was a slave. All right, here's a two thousand dollar check. High five. Have a good day. No, no, it's leveling, leveling centuries of inequality by redistributing resources back to those who have been dispossessed, and that includes people that have dispossessed through colonialism. Through slavery, through warfare, through imprisonment, yep. through you know the recent war on drugs, yep. through COINTELPRO, through all of that, it, it is. And I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to say this right now. It's going to hurt me internally, but I'm going to say it. One of the good things in the bread book. Oh God, I, I said it. I said it. I said it. <laughs> damn it. No, but it it, it was it was a val again because again there are so much of the foundation of all of of both of our ideologies is. Identical. Yeah. So much of that foundation is identical. And yeah. Kropotkin was not a dumb person. He was an no. evolutionary biologist for fuck's sake. Um, he, he knew he, he, he could identify some things. Yes. Did he have some idealist tendencies uh, in that book particularly? Yeah. But that's not the point. Uh, he addressed this concept that even under, even in his idealist socialist state, mm-hmm. Was a thirty-hour essentially work week. We're six five-hour days of work. We're ev- we're the bougie bitches and the the everybody. We're all working together because there's no way to equitably redistribute all of this and give back to these colonized people and the people that have been oppressed, and still get your fully automated gay luxury space communism that no. you want. There's that's not possible. We're gonna there's still gonna be work that needs to lots be done, and, lots of work. and we're gonna have to realize that in the imperial core. I mean, we are going to have to do work to make plows and machines and and all plows. Ki- I don't know. Great things we're for making plows. Just shut up. It's twenty goddamn nineteen. I just we're not making people plows. still need food, and I'm thinking Sankara in my head. Okay, I get it, but I'm, no. Okay, my brain's my brain's on Sankara. Your farm brain's equipment. on tequila is what your brain's it's on. on don't you fucking. Do. All right, farm equipment. We're going to have to make farm equipment, food storage, uh, weaponry for their defense. Yes. Um, you know things like that. We're going to have to send that back to the third world. Yes. Okay. And not demand them to mine all of the computer chips for us, yeah. you know, but they can control those resources themselves. Yeah. 
Okay, that's going to have to happen, yeah. and that can't happen without work, without right. humility, and without a concise goal of meeting all of our needs as far as you know, food, healthcare, housing, which et is not hard. And not hard. Not, and I don't and say that in an attempt to demoralize, but I don't. Yeah. I don't want to demean. I, I don't want to say, oh, you, ha, I'm not saying bootstrap up. Everyone can meet their own needs. I'm saying, the the, the again another you can have a, a reasonable good. We th- have three thousand calorie a day diet that that meets your you know. We have the means, allergies, etc. Housing. Clothes, we can feed people. We can clothe people. Healthcare. We can education. house people. We can give all of that, and it is not going to require. We're not we're not going to be asking anyone to be to be working in extreme conditions or working. We're going to ask mo- we're, we're going to ask gonna the, have... the vast majority of people to work in infinitely better conditions. We're going to ask most people to work in conditions that they would, if you give them to them right now, would go, "Holy shit, that's my job! Fuck yeah!" And then we're going to give you healthcare and a house and fucking everything else on top of that because yeah. it's not hard. And with you just that, have to do it. And with that, there's still going to be a huge amount of resources that go back to yes. Black communities, indigenous communities have been dispossessed here, people in the third world, you know, and we're talking like, you know, transportation, including building up our own and their public transportation infrastructure infrastructure. and get some of these goddamn cars off the road, reforestation, uh, planting of food, you know, things like that. And like, again, you know, this is where I get in Sankara and I immediately, it said plows, like it's, it's yay old, you know, but, uh, they would, you know, equip, not just, obviously, you still need the grain. You don't let them starve in the meantime. But like St. Carr said, you know, if you really cared about them and, and their, you know, uh, survival, you wouldn't give them grain. You'd give them the farm equipment yeah. to make the, the grain themselves. I mean, you still have to give them some grain in the meantime to get it established. It's, it's, it's the advanced yeah. teach them to fish. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. But again, exactly. it's, it's so, it, again, in this think about it. In this country, just, just in what we've, and we've, we've hit on this before, uh, socialized system do we need to grow any more corn than we're growing? No. No. We oh, just need to stop fucking... Less, th- yeah, we need to stop throwing it fucking away on ethanol production just because that's fucking profitable right now. Yeah. We need to use it for fucking eating and feeding people. Yeah. You and use the resources available to you to And we could probably satisfy- get a lot... I mean, there's still be some amount that's monoculture just to make sure you budget the resources in yeah. case of drought, for redistribution, and for your own storage. But there's also a lot of that land that needs to go away from monoculture and back to permaculture. And not just for reforestation, but for better food growth. Yeah. You know, and then we can learn. We can collaborate with, you know, Cubans. I was about to say, vertical. this vertical farm thing. Let's do vertical farm. Fucking Cubans. A a country the size of, uh, what, half of California? Yeah. And I mean, imagine taking the scale of vertical farming they have and expanding it out to our, the scale of this country. Yeah. we do not have a problem of producing enough resources. No. We have, we have a problem. A mile. We don't have a problem with that. And again, this book is not explicitly, we're not in that mode of attacking capital. This is one of the first times that we have attacked capital within this book. Yeah. Um. But again, it just goes back to it. And it's again, it's something that we all agree on. And I, I, I really do want to hammer that point home that it, there. Everything I'm reading, everything I've seen, there is universal agreement amongst us and anarchists and and almost everyone on the left as to what the root cause of the problem is. Mm -hmm. And it's capitalists. Yeah. And it's the misappropriation of our labor and our our work and our our time and and all of that in the name of, of profit. That has gotten us where we are. And if we can get away from that, no one doubts that we can supply the means for everyone to lead mm-hmm. a, a happy and filled life. I genuinely believe there is a lack of international awareness on yeah. the on from the anarchist community that I've encountered up to this point. It seems very focused on I'll get my autonomous region and that's fine. And I think the distinction between well, that's kind of why we're reading this book, you know. And this book, this Correct. book lays out two things, you know. It's a world thing and capitalism, and this is what people really need to connect. Okay, capitalism is a is a byproduct of colonialism. Capitalism does not exist without colonialism. That's exactly what Fanon just laid out about the middle classes and wanting to expand their wealth. Okay, it, capitalism was a creation 
of the former merchants and and people in the guilds expanding out and getting you know more and more resources as they took over and busted these mar- monarchies. And, and monarchies went out and, and got the stuff to hold their Dan, power and to keep it Dan, too. You don't have to explain this to me. I've played Civilization Six. I know you God go mercantile. I know you go mercantilism, and then you go colonialism, and then you go capitalism. I get it. You don't have to. You're, I don't know. You're, you're not. You don't have to tell me that. That's it. The other thing capitalism does, and this is how it upholds itself, is is once these concentration happens, and and we t- we establish this with Lenin with imperialism, and you get these monopolies back, and it's about bludgeoning and holding on to resources. It's imperialism is a reinforcement of colonialism. And so you don't get rid of capitalism without decolonizing. And decolonizing isn't everybody meets your personal. I mean, that's exactly what this is. Nobody meets your personal standards and peacefully comes to power with no authoritarianness and is immediately utopian of socialism. It's these fucking people have been starving and they're trying, they're goddamn trying to fill their goddamn bellies and get their goddamn land back. Support them. Let them do that. And if you're, I, I, I would be curious. I would think if you're in Venezuela, yeah, and you want to comment on how China is doing socialism compared to how you do socialism in Venezuela, that's fair. That's fair. Even, uh, even that, I think, would ha- would ring hollow because so much of how socialism is going to get done. Mm-hmm. Is going to be unique again. It's unique a, it's to a, the it's region, a, the material conditions. Exactly, it's a fucking ideal based yeah. on the material conditions. And yeah, every single country's material conditions are different. Yeah, there is That's not going to be it's at least fair. But in the imperial core here. Don't you fucking tell me that they don't do socialism? No, and that's so. what I was. That's don't what I was going to say. Ever is that's it, again the idea of oh you get to comment? Okay, you cannot. And th- I'm not trying to silence dissent. I'm not trying to. No. I'm not trying to terminate debate. I'm not but trying to do any of that. You're not. You're not educated in what's going on and why they're doing it. And and, and so even, much of what you're fed is lies. Too. Even if you are, you're living in the fucking imperial core. Focus on your own shit before you go somewhere else and try and comment on how fucking China does their job. I'm sorry. I get it. I understand that you're upset or that you you have a dis- you you desperately have an opinion that needs to be stated. That this is not the time. If you have that much energy and that much knowledge and that much education and you want to correct how China is actively or has been actively doing socialism for the last 60, 70 goddamn years. Fucking do it here then. Or move to China and be part of that movement. Well, and also realize when you look at the other... Te- I mean, there's there's critical analysis so that you know what to do with your own socialism. But if I say China is good, that doesn't mean I want to replicate China to a decision to a man, period, no matter what. It's not what. control C, control V. It's going to be... Di- and it's going to be different within China. China is the largest... Contiguous country. It's the. It has the most largest people. It has the most yeah. largest population. Uh, is it? It's nothing is a homogenous mass. We have said that before on this show. Mm-hmm. There is the the concept of if, when I sit here and say, "Fucking support China, support Venezuela, support Cuba." Am I saying that those countries are absolutely one hundred percent perfect, and there is no chance that there is a bad actor within? Fuck no. No. I, Fucking no, Yezhov existed. I know Beria existed. I know there is a pos- I know that bad people will exist within socialism yeah. and bad shit will happen. That does not mean that I would not trade anything I have right now to get us in a similar position where mm-hmm. I'm fucking critiquing how socialist am I? Yeah. How far down? Oh, well, I'm. how wrong am I doing socialism? If I'm having that fucking debate, my life is one million percent better than it is right now, and I will have that debate at that time. But get the fuck off your high horse right now. If we were reforesting, working against colonialism, and and uh, uh, eliminating poverty the way China is right now, just imagine if that was happening in the U.S. Just imagine. Imagine. Yeah. I'd rather not. Yeah. I, I just keep reading. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I'm- 
It might have been generally thought that the time had come for the world, and particularly the third world, to choose between the capitalist and the socialist systems. The underdeveloped countries which have used the fierce competition which exists between the two systems in order to assure the triumph of their struggles for national liberation should, however, refuse to become a factor in that competition. This is where I was kind of mistaken about that contradiction with the USSR. This is what kind of threw me off yeah. there. So, obviously, Fanon was a big fan of the USSR, but this is kind of where I got that idea. You know, he's like, look... Obviously, yes. You know, I mean, Fanon's a big supporter of socialism. You you can catch that with this book. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> Wait a minute. But he's... Ba -ba Break... no, no, no. Nah, breaking news. See, Fanon yeah. into the socialism thing. Yeah. But but he's not saying. He's saying, look, yeah, we've leveraged the Cold War for independence. Now we want our own socialism. Let's not get caught in that Cold War. That's their damn problem. And yeah. for the third world, sweet, cool, yeah. fine, do it. Take care of it. That's that's good. You yes. know. Um. Oh, go ahead. And it, no, I, again, I don't love global south. I, third world just acts. I don't know. Global don't, south. Global south. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm still not sold on how I. When he says the third world, to be clear here, well, too. Well, he's being crude, too. You know, I mean, he'll say, he'll say like, dirty Arabs. That's not something I feel comfortable saying. He's also, but, you know. say, he's also using capital T, capital W, third world. And yeah. I think this is very much. Well, he uses capital D, capital A with what I just referenced. <laughs> you know, I very I, it's, think it's, he's, it's, I, I think he's very much. I think this is third world in the way that Mao understood third world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think not even that. I think it's something because I've seen it a lot from Fernand and we talked about it when we were in the Sartre preface because it's something I've seen a lot in Sartre in this work and other works. It's it's I don't want to really call it sarcastic, but it's almost like a backhanded crudeness. It's an unafraid, fearless crudeness. It's that it's that lewd, crude South Park humor is what you're saying. No, catch that. Damn it, I'll just kick you in the face. <laughs> I'm reading. I'm reading. You can't. There's the tequila. Third, the can't. third world ought to not be content to define itself in the terms of values which have preceded it. On the contrary, the underdeveloped countries ought to do their utmost to find their own particular values and methods and a style which shall be particular to them. I'm reading real fast now. Yeah, yeah. I'm about to say, <laughs> pump the brakes, pump the brakes. <laughs> Suppress your urge to hit me. The concrete problem we find ourselves up against is not that of a choice, cost which it may, between socialism and capitalism as they've been defined by men in other continents and of other ages. Of course we know that the capitalist regime, insofar as it has a way of life, cannot leave us free to perform our work at home, nor our duty in the world. Capital's exploitation and cartels and monopolies are the enemies of underdeveloped countries. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. On the other hand, the choice of a socialist regime, a regime which is completely oriented toward the people as a whole and based on the principle that man is the most precious of all possessions, will allow us to go forward more quickly and more harmoniously and thus make it impossible, thus make impossible that caricature of society where all economic and political power is held in the hands of a few who regard the nation as a whole in the scorn and contempt. Hey, hey, Kropotkin, read that shit. Read that shit, Power Corrupts, man. Read that I, shit. Read it, I'm, I'm not going... And I'm not I the have, one who's suffering through the bread book. <laughs> I have one more Kropotkin work okay. to read before I, I lay I'm familiar judgment with his, his underlying stuff. On it, Kropotkin. Yeah. But yes. But yes. Yes. I, I, yeah, I, again, I, I'm mad that I had to read the bread book, but in, my, in the bread book... In anarchist defense, a phrase that has never come out of my mouth it's one time in my life. It's actually come out of my mouth a lot in this podcast. In anarchist defense, the <laughs> first time I talked to an actual anarchist and said I had read Kropotkin, they, were like, they told oh God, me, I hope not the bread they book. They basically said, don't, the bread book ain't even a good one. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I'm not going to hold that against them. I'm going to hold that against them. curious, the bread book is the conquest of bread. It's not called the bread book. If you're reading this and you don't know what the God if you're reading this, oh my god. If, if you're, you're reading this, this, if you're reading this, we finished our transcription project that we want to do. Have, I've tried my ass off. It's I not going to happen. We want to. It's We I don't have the resources. Four hours and paid for a thing to help me and had to edit it, and I could not get through episode one. <laughs> to be fair, I think I may know someone who does transcription services, so I Holy may be able to apply okay. them yet. Yeah, he may be doing our theme song in the near future. Fancy. Um, you know, fancy. Yeah, fancy. Says the manager gets a heel out of the $6 USSR flask. How <laughs> are you? Um, no, but I, I again, the, as soon as I talked to the conquest of bread, 
I, I don't think that is, it's definitely not fair to calculate that as all of an income. No. I just, I got very confused and I don't know why I'm but, feeling and again, I, this out know, here. I, I, we'll have to look more into Kropotkin because you should know what you're talking I'm about. I'm about to. For knowing We're, and understanding. I have read a lot of Kropotkin today. But what I've gotten from Kropotkin is his series All Power Corrupts and that's exactly not what Fanon And if you, yeah, yeah, it was very anti-authority and I get that's kind of at the root of all of it. That's kind of the split between anarchy and us. I get mm-hmm. that and that's fine. But Kropotkin, the conquest of bread in general I don't understand the need for... I understand where it situates. And here's where the conquest of bread is useful. If you're someone who refuses to listen to us talk about capital or refuses to listen to David Harvey condense capital, but you want to understand what the problems of capitalism are, read like the first half of the bread book and you'll get a very condensed... There won't be as many citations. It won't be as well-researched. It won't be nearly as well-scientific, even though fucking Kropotkin was an evolutionary biologist. But you'll get an idea of why capitalism is bad. And if that's all you take away from it, awesome. The problem is, is it only is able to analyze from the commune on because it was written prior to the Russian Revolution. So it's essentially a lesser version of state and revolution. Like, it's like a... Capital is a better version of explaining why capitalism is bad. State and revolution is a better version of explaining how the fuck you organize a revolutionary society. That being said, anarchists are our friends. Okay. I'm here for you guys. I am now, I'm trying to be on your side. I am now, I know it's my comment. It's the first time my comment. But I am now banning all talk of bread book for the rest of Phenox. We've talked about it too much. This should be about Phenox. I mean, I'm banning all yep. talk of Breadbook for the rest of eternity, David, because I'm the one that fucking had to listen to that fucking piece of garbage. Don't you tell me what I can and can't talk about Breadbook. This is my pain. You will not appropriate it. But in order... Read. ...that this regime may work to good effect so that we can in every instance respect those principles which we're which were our inspiration, we need something more than human output. Certain underdeveloped countries expand a huge amount of energy in this way. Men and women, young and old, undertake enthusiastically what is in fact forced labor and proclaim themselves the slaves of the nation. The the gift of oneself and the contempt for every preoccupation which is not the common interest bring into being a national morale which comforts the heart of man, gives him fresh confidence in the destiny of mankind, and disarms the most reserved observers. But we cannot believe that in such an effort can be kept up at the same frenzied pace for very long. These young countries have agreed to take up the challenge after the unconditional withdrawal of the ex-colonial countries. The country finds itself in the hands of new managers. But the fact is that everything needs to be reformed and everything thought anew. In reality, the colonial system was concerned with certain forms of wealth and certain resources only precisely those which with provisioned her own industries. Of course, the colonial, you know, they only wanted sugar mm-hmm. plantations in yeah. Cuba, they, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Up to Walter pre- Rodney, how Europe only developed Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, up to the present, no serious effort had been made to estimate the riches of the soil or of material resources. Mineral resources. Oh, God damn it. Thus, the young independent nation sees itself obliged to use the economic channels created by the colonial regime. It can obviously export to other countries and other currency areas, but the basis of its exports is not fundamentally modified. The colonial regime has carved out certain channels, and they must be maintained or a catastrophe will threaten. Perhaps it is necessary to begin everything all over again to change the nature of a country's exports and not simply their destination to re-examine the soil and mineral resources, the rivers, and why not the sun's productivity? That seems a little sarcastic. <laughs> now, oh, wait, a little sarcastic. Again, we talked about this. I was being subtle. I was being subtle. You you wanted to say sarcastic, <laughs> but you couldn't because it was a, it would have been a sarcasm d- d- double hole. <laughs> now, in order to do all of these other things are needed over and above Above human output, capital of all kinds, technicians, engineers, skill mechanics, and so on. Let's be frank. We do not believe that the colossal effort which the underdeveloped peoples are called upon to make by their leaders will give their de- give the desired results. If conditions of work are not modified, centuries will be needed to humanize this world, which has been forced down to animal level by imperial powers. The truth is that we ought not... No, 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 no. Oh, you're going to go to the footnote. Oh, oh no, I'm not going to go to the footnote. You're going to talk. I'm, I'm going to talk. You've been listening to Mark's Madness. Uh, no, oh. we're... Yeah. Oh. 
Are we a tie? We're, yeah, yeah, we're a tie. We're like 45 oh minutes. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, we're, that's it. That's, okay. that's, yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, now you understand, though. See, like, you've heard the right-wing thing, like, oh, you know, it, the gotcha. Oh, isn't that, that slave, just, just slavery to the government and stuff yeah. like that. It's like, look, dude, at, at, at some point you got to eat. I would la- yeah. I would rather have a government that's got to answer to the people that has the people's interest in mind than some profit sucking shithead that I'm essentially a slave to now. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's, again, again, just look at look at where it. it <sighs> if someone controls your food, housing, and healthcare, mm-hmm. they control you. Right now, that's a company who is motivated by profit, motivated by exploiting you, motivated by caring about you as little as possible, pocketing as much work as possible, and they're not accountable to you in any any goddamn way. No. Okay. If you make that actually the government, then how democratic the government is suddenly matters, and even a dictatorship, which no socialist country ever actually has been in spite of the accusations. Uh, Pol Pot tried to call himself. I don't consider him socialist. But it's important to make the distinction for idiots. Okay, fine. Uh, anyway, he was, he was by the way, he was put into power by the U.S. and defeated Pol by the Pol Pot was an entire, fa- was a giant fascist who just used, again, it's just like. Just like Hitler used the word socialist. Exactly. Just because you used Pol the word doesn't used mean. Commun- we're using the word communist instead. But he did, the Khmer Rouge, he, he did, it wasn't a party made for fascism. He did piggyback off an actual decolonial party and then fucked it all up and made it fascist. Yeah, because that's a very, again, it's a thing, it's why you have to be, hey guys, spoiler alert, it's why you need a transition state. <laughs> Welcome to the ASMR episode of uh, of of Mark's Madness, guys. You need an authoritative transition state of some sort to help avoid the fucking fascists taking over your vestigial movement and turning it into the fucking killing fields. Yeah, it's mildly important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that said, you know, again, a socialist government. This has ended the ASMR portion of the episode. David's going to yell again. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, uh, but I mean, even. Even a socialist country, even if it were this imaginary dictatorship, it's a country, a government has to answer somewhat to the people more than any corporation ever will. Yeah. Or it can get toppled, especially people that have just conducted a revolution. Yeah. I want that. I want someone who answers to me and then I'll do whatever the shit they say. And even then, that's not going to be what that's never what this boils down down to. No. When you talk about the difference between anarchism and, and, and authoritative authoritarian communism, the dictatorship of the proletariat is not a dictatorship. It, it, it is it's, the people... It's the opposite of the dictatorship of the bourgeoisie, but it's not like a dude that doesn't care about you. It, it is not... It is actually oppressive if you're the bourgeoisie and that's it. And, that, and it's intentionally... Again... Guys, we did state and rev. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, it's I, intentionally oppressive of the bourgeoisie. Int- it, it is the majority oppressing the minority. Right. As opposed to what we have now, which is the minority oppressing the majority. Mm-hmm. You are going to need that state to institute this. You are not going to get there on pure goodwill and collective action. I'm sorry. It's just it, it, If you can give me an example of when it has happened and it sustained itself in a group larger than... I, I, the state of Montana for more than a month. That's all I'm asking. Just something. <laughs> something I can go on. But at the end of the day, I see Cuba. I see the USSR. I see Venezuela. I see China. I see countries that made material gains for their people and sustained them over generations. Oh, yeah. I mean, you had the land distribution under Mugabe. You had the upturning of apartheid in South Africa um, under uh, Nelson Mandela. You have, you know, Nicaragua. And and look at the autonomy of the indigenous people in that region. Sankara. Yeah. Bolivia. Look at the... Bolivia has two capitals because it is so... Bolivia is, is exactly what anarchists should want. It is very, very decentralized, except it wasn't made to be decentralized. It was a centralized decolonial movement, but there was so much autonomy and freedom given to indigenous people that it comes out decentralized. Yeah. And that's that's because our end goals are we agree on the root cause. Mm-hmm. It's it's like it's again, step one, expropriate capitalists. All right, mm-hmm. everyone's in agreement there? Good. All right, yeah. we're cool. What do we do with that appropriate step, capital? Step three? Communism. Full bore. 
uh, capitalism. For, full bore communism. Yeah. Step two, question marks. And that's where we split. That's the only place we split. On two-thirds of the most important issues, we are in 100% harmonious agreement. Which is more than we can say about any other group. So let's put this shit... Let's get our shit together and get on the same team here. Because we can figure out step two. I promise we can figure out... I promise... We can figure out step two, but we agree on step one, and we agree on step three, and that's more than we're getting with anyone else, so come on! If anybody hasn't noticed the episode and a half of Nathan talking about anarchism, and Nathan continually referring to things happening online that are happening in real life, Nathan has been very caught up with communicating with people in order to spread the word of Marxism and be more understanding with anarchism. So I'm now just, you're in the there's There's your inside baseball. I'm, it's not inside. I'm just, I'm just trying right to be better. I'm just, every day, all I'm doing is trying to be better at this. And this is getting us closer to an equitable distribution of the resources that we are all working our asses off to contribute to. Yes. I get it. I'm going to, I, I'm, tr- I am, that, that is the, if you've been here the whole time, that is the, con- that was the conceit of the whole show. I came into this thing s- six months off being a milk toast sock dem and two years off being a fucking libertarian. I, there's been a journey here. There's been an evolution. I'm trying to be a better person and I'm trying to be a better comrade to everybody. And if I make mistakes along the way, someone call me out on it. But I, I, again, I just so desperately, goddamn desperately want to see, want to see this vision. I want to see revolution in my time. I want to see socialism with American characteristics in a history book that my kid can read about. And I, I, I we're not going to get there by dividing. We're just not going to get there by dividing ourselves up into fucking sex and, and, and starting a fucking war. We're just, we're just not going to do it. We got to get together. We got to fucking fight this shit and let's go. <laughs> in the meantime, Oh, we got to do a whole nother one of these. Holy shit. We got another episode oh today. Oh my God. We're Maybe so we'll stay on Fanon real good for so it. We're so fucking dead. <laughs> All right, guys. I'll see you next. I'll All see right. you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.